أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد so taking a break from the the silsila aliyah of the chishtiya uh, I wanted to return to the kashf al-mahjub uh, in which he also has a similar uh, section which is a, a set of entries about the mashayikh of the tariqa and uh his entry his you know biographical entries don't start with khaja muinuddin chishti uh, although we started with with them um it starts with who sayyidna rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as does uh hazrat sheikh zakaria's tazkira mashayikh chishti it doesn't start with khaja muinuddin chishti that book also starts with the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so in the kashf al mahjub it's very interesting because the most well known translation into english of it is written by an orientalist by the name of Reynold Nicholson who by all accounts is a masterful translator and a person who studied the the books of tasawuf in a way that very few muslims have uh, uh at least nowadays uh the masters in the mashayikh definitely have but from the awam there's not a whole lot of people who put up, put in that time and effort and uh, my sheikh uh Sayyid Nafis Anwar Hussein Shah Sab rahimahullah ta'ala he uh, once asked me he asked me he says uh, you know who translated the Kashf al-Mahjub I said of course Reynold Nicholson he said did he go- do a good job or a b- bad job I said he did an excellent job at least in my opinion and he says he indeed did an excellent job I said was he he asked was he a muslim I said no uh not to my knowledge he says why do you think that is I said I think that there are a number of orientalists who were relatively fair-minded and they dedicated their lives to the study of deen. And uh some of them studied it so much that they were beholden to the refinements and the beauties of it. But they couldn't accept the fact that they being western Europeans somehow uh uh were inferior spiritually to the people they detested so much swarthy colonized uh, uh people who didn't possess the machines of war and industry that they did and so the best that they could do is say oh sufism is must be something foreign to islam whereas it's not foreign to islam at, at all it's not something borrowed from buddhism or from hinduism or from christianity as many of them allege uh, neither of these religions has anything remotely similar to tasawuf and one of the greatest testimonies to the unfairness of Reynold Nicholson in his rendering of this work even though it's a very fine translation he did a really good job on it is that in the tabaqat of the mashayikh of the tariqa the first tabaqa that's mentioned by uh, uh by uh Sayyid Ali Hajwari is the biography the seer of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he omitted it he omitted its translation said so this is just a standard pious type stuff which uh uh rather than just being standard pious type stuff sayyidna rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the wellspring and the manba of the of of the tariqa and it comes from him sallallahu alaihi wasallam the fuyud and the divine uh, effluence and the grace and mercy and the fadl of allah ta'ala that spread through these people that allowed them to literally perform miracles and to keep uh, such large and expansive hearts inside of their chests uh, 
that they, uh, they, they not only forgave the people for their iniquities, but they gave and gave on top of it to the point where even their enemies were, um, were, were, were forced to lower themselves and humble themselves in front of the truth of, 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 of the message. Uh, this doesn't come from Khaja Muinuddin, and it doesn't come from Shah Abdul Qadir, and it doesn't come from Bahauddin Naqshband, it doesn't come from any of Abu Qasim Junaid, it comes from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, innama ana qasimun wallahum yu'ti, that I'm the distributor, I'm not but the distributor, and Allah Ta'ala is the one who gives. Uh, so, we will jump back a little bit in time today and read from the Kashful Mahjub, the, the Sufic biographies of the, the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, which start with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's four, Khulafa al-Ajal, the, the, the most majestic of his successors, uh, the Khulafa Rashidun. So, Tata Saab starts concerning the Imams who belong to the companions. First, the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, the successor of the Messenger of Allah, Abu Bakr Siddiq, the Voracious. He is placed by the Sufi Shaykhs at the head of those who have adopted the contemplative life, Mushahada, on account of the fewness of the stories and traditions which he related. While Umar ta'ala who is placed at the head of those who have adopted the purgative life, Mujahada, the life of self-struggle and self-mortification, because of his rigor and assiduity in devotion. It is written amongst the genuine traditions and hadith that are well known to the scholars that when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu prayed at night, he used to recite the Quran in a low voice, whereas Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to recite the Quran in a loud voice. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa asked Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu why did he do this. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, He with whom I converse will hear. And Umar radiallahu anhu in his return replied, I wake the drowsy and drive away the devil. The one gave a token of contemplation, whereas the other gave a token of purgation. Now purgation, when compared with contemplation, is like a drop of water in the ocean. And it is for this reason that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said that Omar is the glory of Islam, uh, but he is still only equivalent to one single good deed of Abu Bakr. It is recorded that Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Our abode is transitory, our life therein is but alone and our breaths are numbered, and our indolence is manifest. By this he signified that the world is too worthless to engage our thoughts. For whenever you occupy yourself with that which is perishable, you are made blind to that which is eternal. And the friends of God turn their backs on this world and the flesh, which veil them from him, Jalla and they decline to act as if they were owners of a thing that is really the property of another. And he said, O oh God, give me plenty of the world and make me desirous of renouncing it. This saying has a hidden sense. First bestow upon me worldly goods that I may give thanks for them and then help me to abstain from them for your sake so that I may have the treble merit of thanksgiving and liberality and abstinence and that my poverty may be voluntary, not compulsory. These words refute the director of mystical practice who said, he whose poverty is compulsory is more perfect than he whose poverty is voluntary. For if it be compulsory, then he is a creation, he is a creature of poverty. And if it be voluntary, poverty is his creature. And it is better that his actions should be free from any attempt to gain poverty for himself than that he should seek to acquire it from his own effort. 
I say in answer to this, the creature of poverty is most evidently that person who while enjoying independence is possessed by the desire for poverty and labors to recover it from the clutches of the world. Not that person who in the state of poverty is possessed by the desire for independence and has to go to the houses of evildoers and the courts of governors for the sake of earning money. Allah Ta'ala protect us. I repeat, and this is something that uh, the ulama themselves should hear and listen to first off, and the mashaykh of the tariqah and the people who are desirous of taking this path should listen to first off, lest they be uh, uh, fooled by the ways of this world which seem to have been uh, taken up by many of the, the, the people who claim this path. The creature of poverty is most evidently that person who, while enjoying independence, is possessed by the desire of poverty and labors to recover it from the clutches of the world. Not that person who, in the state of poverty, is possessed by the desire for independence and has to go to the houses of evildoers and the courts of governors uh, for the sake of earning money. Uh, and to forward that, we'll say, has to go through uh, 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 gatherings in which the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is made uh, in order to gain some sort of uh, uh, money or make uh, sell the, the deen for a living or uh, uh, make themselves popular with people as if that's going to somehow uh, drive anything. The deen was built on ikhlas. It wasn't built on the personal popularities of, of celebrity figures. The creature of poverty is he who falls from independence to poverty, not he who, being poor, seems to be powerful or seeks to be powerful. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu is the foremost of all mankind after the prophets, and it is not permissible that anyone should take precedence of him. For he set voluntary poverty above compulsory poverty. This doctrine is held by all the Sufi sheikhs except for the one spiritual director whom we have mentioned. He didn't take his name out of adab. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri rahimahullah ta'ala relates that when Abu Bakr received the oaths of allegiance as caliph, he mounted the pulpit and pronounced an oration in the course of which he said, By God, I never coveted the command nor desired it even for a day or a night, nor ever asked God for it openly or in secret, nor do I take any pleasure in having it. Now when God causes anyone to attain perfect sincerity and exalts him to the rank of fixity, tamkeen, that he waits for divine inspiration that it may guide him, and according as he is hidden, he will either be a beggar or a prince without exercising his own choice and will. Thus Abu Bakr the voracious, radiallahu anhu, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him, resigned himself to the will of God from the first to the last. Hence the entire group of the Sufis have made them their, made him their pattern in stripping themselves of worldly things, in fixity, tamkeen, and eager desire for poverty and in long, longing to renounce authority. He is the imam of the Muslims in general and the Sufis in particular. This last point that uh, uh, that was mentioned, this is also something that uh, the later Mashaykh have mentioned, that the maqam or the rank of, of the awliya, uh, which is known as sidq, the, the maqam of sidq and the rank of being siddiq, uh, the last the last uh, transition from being a salih, a person who is in conformance with the outward uh, uh, law, uh, um, the last hurdle that person has to cross in order to attain Allah Ta'ala's wilaya in his sainthood and to attain the maqam of sidq is what? Is that the heart has to renounce hubbul riyasa or love of authority. 
Anyone who loves money or loves authority or loves that they should be imam or loves that they should be president or board member or king or governor or a chief or anything, whether it's, you know, a person who's an emir of three tablis on a, on a three day, uh, uh, jamaat, uh, or a person who wants to be class president in sixth grade, uh, all the way to the one who wants to be president or the king or the imam or the mufti or whatever. Anyone who covets any sort of leadership over other people, this is an obstacle between that person and between Allah Ta'ala's wilaya and sainthood and friendship. Once a person dispenses with these things, uh, they will attain that rank with Allah Ta'ala. This is very important to say because the community of Muslims in America seems to have completely forgotten this. Uh, very few people have even heard of it. Those who have heard of it seem to have taken it as some sort of a derelict relic of the past that uh, you have to purge from yourself the love of leadership. It doesn't matter how good you are or you think you are. And the idea that you're going to, you love leadership just in order to help other people, this is an idea that starts with shaitan. And uh, you're not going to help other people through your leadership. Rather, all of it comes from Allah Ta'ala. In fact, if you're going to help somebody, it's only going to be by helping yourself have a maqam with Allah Ta'ala. If you cannot yourself make yourself conformant to the deen, uh, then Allah Ta'ala will aid this deen by many uh, profligate people. In Allah la yu'ayyudu hadha deen bi rajul al-fajr. And what good is it if uh, a million people enter Jannah because of your deeds and you yourself then are burning in the fire afterward while they're enjoying Allah Ta'ala's ridha and, and mercy? Uh, this is a very serious issue, and we have to remind ourselves and remind others and talk about this as well. I was astounded once in a, in, in Islamic school, I was su- substituting not a single child in the in the class. I shouldn't say child; they're adults. They're eight, it was an eighth grade class. Not a single student in the class um, was familiar with the idea of 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 loving leadership being a sin. Uh, uh, that requires repentance. And in fact, some of the students absolutely freaked out like a person who just uh, swallowed rat poison and their body is trying to vomit it out. They completely freaked out and, and, and rejected it. Uh, and it wasn't something could, they could take because some of our parents, the way we raise children, we completely feed people the steady diet of nonsense of um, you know, you have to be somehow rich or you have to be president or you have to be uh, on top of everybody in order to help one another out. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that that's not how help happens. If it was how help happened and if it was a good thing to do, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala and who would have coveted it? But he didn't. And uh, uh, this is why he's the best of Allah's creation after the Anbiya alayhimu salam uh, as a matter of aqidah, not just as a, a extremity of the Sufisms, of the Sufis. The Khalifa, the successor, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him. He was specially distinguished by sagacity and resolution and is the author of many fine sayings in the, in the uh, subject of tasawwuf. The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, truth speaks by the tongue of Umar and again, uh, uh, there have been inspired relators, muhaddathun, uh, uh, and the people of antiquity, and if there be any such in my people, it is Omar. And so this term, muhaddath, uh, uh, our shaykh, he, he described this as being somebody who the, 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 
our Sheikh Mulana Khalid uh, uh, Mahmoud, not the Allama Khalid Mahmoud, but uh, one of the Asatis of Hadith in, in the Jamia Madaniya where I read, uh, from whom we read the Sharhman al-Athar and Sahih Muslim in the back half of of uh, of of the Mishkatul Masabih among us, amongst other books, he said that it's that Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu Taala who when the Wahi would come on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he would he would feel uh, right before the Wahi would come, he would feel some sort of uh, uh, spiritual uh, 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 some sort of spiritual hal or or condition come over him, and. Uh, it was as if he himself, his heart was sensitive to the wahi. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Umar. If there were to be a Nabi after me, it would have been Umar. And it's low as in, it's never gonna happen. Uh, but if it were, like, if it were, like, a, the, 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 the far-fetched, if the impossible were to be possible, it would have been with him. And so the idea of muhdath, another one of our mashayikh, Mawlana Amanullah Khan, Allah ta'ala keep all of them in good health from whom I read the muwatta and the, uh, sunan of Imam Nasai and Ibn Majah. Um, he said that it's just like when you put a cell phone on top of a speaker, um, the speaker will start to hiss just a moment before the, the, the cell phone starts to ring. Um, that, that that that's what you're not going to take the phone call from the speaker but uh, uh but there is some effect on it as well so sayyidna umar radiyallahu ta'ala who used to be affected by the wahi that came to the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and therefore the the hadith of three things in which i was my opinion and the lord's opinion were the same that he gave a suggestion to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the wahi came down that was the revelation came down to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in accordance to what sayyidna umar radiyallahu ta'ala who said uh, uh, um, that's what, that's what all of that is. Because Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was the, the last of the prophets, but, uh, our, uh, uh, Mulana Khalid aforementioned, Mulana Khalid, who was a master of the, the, the fikr of Shah Waliullah rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that prophethood is amongst the, you know, the, the likeness of prophethood to wilaya, to Allah ta'ala saint, sainthood, is like the difference between like a judge and lawyers. There may be many lawyers that are competent enough, were they made a judge, they would have made a good judge, but uh, uh, the positions or the posts are limited, and so if you're not promoted to that post, then you can't say you're a judge, no matter how much of the law you know. And so there are people from the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, including these uh, great uh, uh, mashayikh of the Sahaba radiallahu if Nubuwa was given to them, they would have been able to handle it. But it was just a matter that Allah Ta'ala didn't give it to them because Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, is the last of the prophets and anyone who claims Nubuwa concurrent with him or after him, uh, is, is a, a person of misguidance and will be the, the burned on the garbage heap of the hellfire. Uh, but that doesn't mean that people of that quality, Allah Ta'ala did not make them. Sayyidina Umar Allah Ta'ala who said, Retirement from others is a means of relieving oneself from bad company. Retirement is of two sorts. Firstly, turning one's back on mankind. And secondly, uh, severance from them as well. Turning one's back on mankind consists of choosing a solitary retreat and in renouncing the society of one's fellow creatures externally and in quiet contemplation of the faults of one's own conduct and in seeking release for, uh, for oneself from 
the uh, uh, discourse with men and in making all people secure from one's own evils, uh, evil actions. But severance from mankind is a spiritual state which is not connected with anything external. When a person is severed from mankind in spirit, he knows nothing of created beings nor uh, uh, thought thereof can take possession in his mind. Such a person, although he is living amongst the people, is isolated from them and his spirit dwells apart from them. This is a very exalted station. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu followed the right path herein. For externally he lived amongst the people as the, their commander and their caliph. His words show clearly that although spiritualists may outwardly mix with mankind, their hearts always cling to God and return to Him in all circumstances. They regard any discourse they may have with men as an affliction sent by God, and that discourse did not divert them from God, since the world never becomes pure in the eyes of those whom God loves. Since the world never becomes pure in the eyes of those whom God loves. So all of you who have a retirement plan and think everything's going to be happily ever after, doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Omar radiallahu ta'ala who said, An abode which is founded upon affliction cannot possibly be without affliction. Omar radiallahu ta'ala who said, An abode which is founded upon affliction cannot possibly be without affliction. The Sufis make him their model and wearing the patched frock, the muraqqa, uh, or the khirqa, and rigorously performing the duties of one's religion. So this is also, we mentioned this last time, that the, the khirqa, the patched frock that the Sufis wear, that the Shaykh uh, gives as a mantle of his successorship to the prime of his disciples when it's time for him to leave the world. Sayyidina Umar anhu had said that he wore a cloak in which there were over 40 patches. And uh, he used to not care about meeting the commanders of the, the Romans and the, the uh, delegations of Syria and Egypt and, and Persia while wearing uh, those types of clothes. And he re- reproached and reprimanded, reproached and reprimanded the governors of Syria for having left the simplicity of their dress that they used to have with the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, uh, and adopted the ways of the non-Arabs. And this is something that, that's very famous, that uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam chastised Sayyidina Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu for dressing fancy. And uh, when he gave him the justification that, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, the people are not going to take us seriously if we dress like we did uh, uh, back in Medina, uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu became extremely angry with him and said, uh, Abu Ubaidah, if it wasn't that I knew who you were and what your rank was with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I surely would have punished you in exemplary punishment in front of all because of you saying this. And do you not know that we are a group of people that Allah has honored us through Islam? And if we seek honor through anything other than it, uh, Allah Ta'ala will abase us. And unfortunately, the age that we live in has become a running sharh and commentary and hashia on the latter part of Sayyidina Umar Ta'ala and who's saying that if we seek honor in anything other than it, Allah Ta'ala will abase us. Uh, so he is the, the, their, their model in having the, uh, the patched frock or the patched cloak. The successor of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his Khalifa Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan. It's related by Abdullah bin Rabah and Abu Qatada rahimahumullah tabaraka wa ta'ala uh, as follows. We were with the Amir al-Mu'mineen, the commander of the faithful Uthman on the day his house was attacked. His slaves, seeing the crowd of rebels, gathered at the door and took up arms. Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Whoever of you does not take up arms is free, on this day a free man. We went forth from the house in fear of our lives. 
Hassan bin Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu met us on the way. And we returned with him to go to Uthman radiallahu anhu that we might know on what business he was going. After he had saluted Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and condoled with him, he said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, I dare not draw a sword against the Muslims without your command. You are the true Imam. Give the order and I will defend you. Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, O my cousin, go back to your house and sit there until Allah shall bring his decree to pass. We do not wish to shed blood. The Shaykh says these words betoken resignation in the hour of calamity and show that the speaker had attained the rank of the friendship of Allah Ta'ala, his khullah. Similarly, when Nimrod lit a fire and put Ibrahim alayhi salam in the sling of the catapult, the angel Jibril came to Ibrahim alayhi salam and said, Do you want anything? He answered from you, no. Jibril said, then ask God. He answered him, since he knows what plight I am in, I have no need to ask him. Here Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu was in the position of the Khalil of Allah ta'ala, the friend of Allah ta'ala in the catapult, and the seditious mob was in the place of the fire. And Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was in the place of Sayyidina Jibreel radiallahu ta'ala anhu alayhi salam. But Ibrahim was saved while Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu perished. Salvation or najat is connected with subsistence with baqa and destruction, halak with annihilation, fana. On this topic, something has been said above. This is a very, uh, a, a very fine and a very spiritually deep ta'wil that, that, that Data Saab brings here. He says that what? He says that the, uh, 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 position of Sayyidina Uthman was like the Khalil of Allah, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he was put in the catapult, and the seditious mob was in the place of the fire, and Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was in the place of the angel Jibreel alayhi salam, but Ibrahim was saved while Uthman radiallahu anhu perished. Salvation or najat is connected with subsistence, which is baqa. Whereas destruction, halak, is connected with annihilation or fana. On this topic, something has been said above. And this is the, the high and mysterious rank of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu that very few people from this ummah uh, uh, have the ability to understand or, 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 or see a glimpse of. The Sufis take Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu as their exemplar in, in a sacrificing life and in poverty and resigning affairs to Allah ta'ala and in sincere devotion. The successor of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi, Ta- ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karramallahu wajhuhu alayhi salam. His renown and rank in this path of Sufism is very high. He explained the principles or usul of divine truths with exceeding subtlety so that Junaid said, Ali is our shaykh as regards to the principles and as regards to the endurance of affliction, i.e. in the theory and the practice of Sufism. For Sufis call the theory of this path usul or principles and they call its practice. The practice is, consists entirely uh, in the endurance of affliction. So whoever wishes to talk about it, say, you know, uh, I really, uh, like Sufi Islam because it's very, there's like music and we just, it's like very tolerant and whatever. Alhamdulillah, there's a, a lot of tolerance and some people may sing some nasheeds or whatever. But, uh, the person, the, 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 separating the, the wheat from the chafe of the people who actually follow this path from, uh, goofballs who, uh, uh, you know, just have extra subscription on iTunes. The difference between them is what? Is that, that, that the people of this path call, uh, uh, its theory, its usul. And as far as its practice, the practice entirely consists of endurance of affliction. فَإِذَا مَا شِئْتَ أَدِّ الثَّمَنَةِ 
If you wish to uh, marry this bride, then pay its pay her mahr, uh, because it's going to be everything that you have uh, internally and externally. It is related that someone begged Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhum to give him a wasiya uh, uh, or some advice. Ali radiallahu anhu replied, Do not let your wife and children be your chief cares. For if they're the friends of Allah ta'ala, Allah will look after his friends. And if they're the enemies of Allah, why should you take care of God's enemies? Obviously, this doesn't mean to abandon your wife and kids, but this means that they shouldn't uh, uh, occupy your heart to the point where you stop going to the masjid and you uh, hesitate from fulfilling the rights of Allah Ta'ala with regards to the ummah and with regards to yourself, with regards even to your family. Some people, they have so much mercy on their children that they won't wake them up for fajr. That's not mercy. That's just uh, uh, throwing them onto the garbage heap of the hellfire. He says, do not let your wife and children be your chief uh, worry in your inside of your heart. For if they be the friends of Allah, Allah will look after his friends. The kid loses sleep, Allah will look after him. And if they're the enemies of Allah Ta'ala, why should you take care of God's enemies? This question is connected with the severance of the heart from all things except for Allah, who keep his servants in whatever state he wishes. Thus Musa salam left the daughter of Shu'aib in a most miserable plight and committed her to God. And Ibrahim took Hajar alayhi salam, uh, 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 Ibrahim took Hajar alayhi salam and Ismail and brought them to a barren valley and committed them to God. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam who committed Sayyidina Hajar alayhi salam to Allah Ta'ala in the valley of Bakka. Uh, there are some people who don't understand why he did that and, uh, uh, we cannot give hidayah or guidance to people. We can only ask Allah Ta'ala, give it to us and give it to others. But whoever has a problem with it, let him not see what faith and what barakat uh, 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 and what divine effluence and anwar that will last until the yawm al-qiyamah and be the sabab and the reason for millions of people, nations upon nations entering into Allah's rida and pleasure in Jannah forever because of the barakat of those sacrifices of a few days. Um, that let them let them look toward that and see why is it that Sayyidina Ibrahim uh, took them to that place. The question is connected with the severance of the heart from all things save God, who keeps his servants in whatever state he wills. Thus Musa salam left the daughter of Shu'aib in a most miserable plight and committed her to God. And Ibrahim salam took Hajar and Ismail and brought them to a barren valley and committed them to God. But these prophets, instead of making wife and child their chief care, fix their hearts on God. This saying resembles the answer which Ali radiallahu anhu gave to the one who asked, what is the purest thing that can be acquired? He said, it is that which belongs to a heart made rich by Allah. Ghana al-qalbu billah. It is that which belongs to a heart made rich by Allah. The heart is, the heart that is so enriched uh, is not made poor by having no worldly goods, nor glad by having them. This subject really turns on the theory regarding poverty and purity, which has already been discussed. Sayyidina Ali anhu is a model for the Sufis in respect to the truths of outward expressions and the subtlety of inward meanings. Uh, the stripping oneself of all property either in this world or the next and considering of the divine providence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people who received the fuyud of the khulafa of the Messenger of Allah Ta'ala and through them that of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala make us people who are connected with every part of this chain that connects us to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and through him to Rabbul Izzah, uh, Tabaraka Wa Ta'ala, the Lord of, of, of dignity and might uh, and the Lord of power. 
uh, mighty and exalted is he. Uh, through them, Allah Ta'ala make this path the one that we wake up on and the one that we go to sleep at night in and the one upon which we utter our in our last breath, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah Ta'ala accept it from us in this world and the hereafter. Wa salli wa sallim wa barak ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.